0: Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Hey, did you know that retail therapy is a real thing? When someone's feeling down, struggling through depression even loss of a loved one, or just simply under high amounts of stress, people turn to shopping. Shopping is used to bring just this moment of happiness, even if it's just a brief moment. For some people, if they're feeling sad, shopping will make them feel happier because it restores some sort of control in their lives. They feel that by making the choice to buy or to not buy, they are in control of something in their life. But it's not just about control. Our brain is also involved. Our brain releases this chemical called dopamine that plays this role in how we feel pleasure. It's a big part of our unique human ability to think and to plan. It helps us strive to focus and even how we find things interesting or not. So when you're considering buying something new, dopamine is flushed into your system before you even have a thought about if you can afford it or if you even should buy it. That results in what some people call shopper's high. Have you ever had that high? And now that we're at home with COVID-19 keeping us isolated, lonely, and depressed, have you turned to retail therapy to find that small bit of pleasure and that rush of dopamine? Many people are. And Amazon is making a killing. I looked in some of the top items sold on Amazon just this week, and it looks like people have gone back old school to games with others. Jenga, Connect 4, and Sidewalk Chalk were some of the biggest and best sellers. But it also seems people are very afraid, or they want to protect their home, from intrusion. Security systems, Wi-Fi cameras, they're all at the top of the list as well. So does it really help? Does it give us this moment of temporary boost of sense that we're in control of something? Well, sure, it does for a little bit and then everything goes back to normal. And then you're stuck with some overly expensive workout equipment or DVDs, clothes and weights that you swear that you're going to be using every day to get back in shape when COVID is over. But that's the thing. The, the feeling is fleeting. So what do you do when you're struggling? What, what's gonna help when life is going bad? When things seem to be crumbling, what do you turn to? An even better question is, who do you turn against? So when things are hard, do you shake your fist at God? Do you blame Him? Do you question Him? Perhaps in this pandemic, as people's lives are being uprooted, we're losing what we thought was control. Some people are even losing loved ones or going to in the future. So what do we do when we have this trouble and this pain and strife? That is where we're going to begin our exploration of a man named Job. Job is a man in the Bible who had absolutely everything the world could ever offer, but then it was all stripped away from him. And the question is, how did he respond? And what did he do? God allows Job to go through some suffering and Job wrestles with why all of this is happening to him. While everyone around him loses faith in God or blames Job for his own troubles, Job remains faithful to God and everything is restored to him. So let's start by exploring Job 1, 1 through 22. A little background on the book, as you may be flipping in your Bibles or your app, Job belonged to a, a genre of Hebrew wisdom literature. Other wisdom books are Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Psalms. And wisdom literature books are teachings that are about divinity and virtue, and they come in all forms of statements. We've got poetry, there's songs, uh, there are beautiful uh, studies that tell stories in a traditional way, and that's where our story is today, in that traditional storytelling. So let's jump into the story of Job. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 5,000 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and had a number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements to have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. But but does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he'll surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this point, Job got up. He tore his robe and he shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. In the middle of this turmoil, in the middle of this pain, in the middle of losing everything, Job's response is to turn to worship. I mean, would you respond that way? Would you respond the way Job did if all you had was taken from you? I mean, let's tone it down a bit, right? Have you ever responded when something's terrible, something's terrible happening to you, maybe a loved one, a friend, something real in your life? When something hard happened, did you turn towards God or did you turn away? How are you responding to COVID-19? Are you shaking your fist at God? Are you going to him in worship? Perhaps. Job had a different perspective than we have. Let me explain. We see pain and suffering in how it impacts us. Those who are on ventilators right now with COVID are fighting for their life. The rest of us who aren't, we're irritated that our lives are being shaken, but we're healthy. Some are losing jobs, some are losing loved ones. Your perspective and how you are going through this is shaping what you think about COVID, and it shapes how you are responding. Job, has a completely different perspective of everything he had, including his family. God gave it to me. It's all his, and he can take it back at any time if he wants. Our perspective is that we earned everything we have. We are the ones in control. And if God takes anything from me, he's vindictive and he's unloving. So what does Job do? Job doesn't call God vindictive or unloving. What does Job do? He turned to worship. We tend to turn to anger, self-pity, and retail therapy. Our perspective tends to be, God, if you take something from me, I'm just going to go and get more. Can, can you see the problem here? Perhaps Job's perspective, which is the right one, is the key to his response. He views God in a high and exalted place, the king and the owner of everything, like everything he has is his, including his very own life. And as we move on in the book, we find something about Job that makes us say, I can't believe he's doing it again. Because once again, Satan brings calamity on him. He now loses his health. And so now Job has these painful sores all over over his body. They're so terrible that he's scraping his skin with broken pottery. Think of that. Just a broken plant pot scraping away at your skin. Why would he do that? Let's just remember for a second, everybody is dead. And those who are still alive, they're obviously not willing to help him. Perhaps they thought he was contagious, or it was so disgusting that no one would go by him. Regardless, he used what he could to find relief. Perhaps he grabbed that pot to dig out what was underneath the ulcers that was causing so much pressure and pain. Perhaps the itching was unbearable as the ulcers were dying on his skin. I mean, I don't want to get grotesque here because we don't know, but I want you to understand the depth of this. It was terrible. It was torture. But he was consistent in it. If you've ever been in a situation where you would do anything for relief from pain, irritation, itching you can start to understand. It it does something to you and it starts to drive you mad. Add to that, Job is in this situation of all of this pain. And on top of that, he lost everything in his lowest point when any one of us would crack. Then we find out his wife comes in up to him and says this in Job 2, 9 through 10. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity Curse God and die. He replied, You're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. This is just unbelievable. In the darkest moment in the story yet, Job's perspective shaped the narrative, and he continued to trust God no matter what. His perspective that everything is God's, including his life, it's shaped his response. I mean, moving on in the story, his friends hear what he is going through and they go to him just to give some sort of encouragement and to be with Him. He was so messed up that when they saw him from a distance, they could barely recognize him. Think about that. Like, you know your friends, you know what they look like, you know. I mean, you can tell your friends when they see him from a distance, this dude is so messed up. They can not even tell it to him. And so they come up to him. They join him in Job's response of mourning. And they sit there silent for seven days and seven nights. Just because of how terrible his suffering was. I can't even imagine. I have never been in anything even close to that situation. And to be honest, I pray I never am. And I pray that you never are. But can your mind paint the picture now? This is a dark, dark time. And Job continues to trust God through it. Job and his his friends begin this discussion and they start to struggle between them as he is suffering. And the question is whether or not that he is at fault. His friend Eliphaz in four, seven through eight says this, consider now who being innocent has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble, they reap it. At the time, people believed in retribution theology. It was this belief that when evil or sickness happened to someone is because of the sin in their life. Well, this is true for some situations where sin has results that destroy lives, destroy families, they destroy relationships, and honestly, at times, even health. It doesn't seem to apply to Job here. As we read on through the book, Job continues to justify his innocence and to insist that his troubles are not because of some hidden sin in his life. And by the end of the story, God reveals that Job has not sinned and wasn't being punished. In fact, it was never really even explained why this suffering happened to Job besides God's faith that Job would not abandon his belief. The story, I mean, honestly, gives us no answer as to why evil happens when it is not deserved in some way. That's not the point of the story. However, Job's ultimately continues his faith in God's wisdom and his mercy in his life. God, he trusted him. God was his everything. And in that God, he trusted no matter what. His perspective that, that God is causing him to trust him and that his perspective that he has to trust in him no matter what helped him through these hard times. But in it, he complains to God. He's frustrated with God. He wishes that he was never born and he questions God. And, and he, he, in the book, we see that he's struggling through this. I don't want to paint a picture that he isn't a real man, not going through something real. He is a real man, a real human going through something, going through this. But at the end of it all, it still comes back to his trust in the creator of all. The faith of Job is not pretty, but it's persevering. The answer to suffering is faith. Trusting that God is good, that he's powerful, he's loving, he's merciful, and he's wise another way to see it, we trust that God's plan is better. Even though we don't like it, and even though we don't agree with it, we trust his plan is better because God is trustworthy, even through the suffering. Right now, we are all going through some sort of suffering, different ways, different ways of expressing it, different thoughts, different feelings. We are going through something right now. I'm telling you, God is trustworthy. In the middle of COVID-19, where everything seems lost, we feel like we don't know where you are, God. God is trustworthy. He has proven himself over and over again. And let this be a time now where your faith stands strong just like Job's. But something I want to note about what God and Job had, Job had a faith that wasn't some abstract concept. It wasn't some religion that he did once a week. It wasn't some sort of checklist that he would go through and try to, you know, knock out, oh, I got went to church this week. I'm done. I'm good. Like it wasn't anything like that. He was connected to God and he cultivated a relationship with him before everything happened. For those of us who lived through 9-11, we remember the response. Or maybe you saw it in the news. Maybe you're part of a church during that time. The response was that people flooded to the churches to find answers. They flooded, God, where are you in all this? God, protect us. God, save us. God, help us. But there was no relationship beforehand. The faith wasn't built on anything other than fear. And now as we come to the backside of COVID and who knows how long this is going to be, we don't know what the outcome is going to be yet. We, we speculate and we have thoughts, but I have a thought. I have a thought and I believe that the churches are going to be flooded again, that people are going to come looking for an answer to say, God, why, where are you? How do we do this? And there's going to be so this fear driven, but just like nine 11, after things went back to normal, we forget people forgot and they went right back into their way of life. In fact, those churches that were packed oftentimes now sit empty. As we come back in the backside of this, we start to look at what do we do through the suffering? How do we respond? Do you have a relationship with God right now that's connected to Him as a Savior? Do you know Him? Do you know what Jesus did for us? That Christ's sacrifice isn't just for the atonement of sin, which it did. We just celebrated that two weeks ago as death and resurrection for us. His sacrifice gave us a right relationship with God. Job had a relationship with God. If we try to fill a relationship into or start something and say, uh, God, I I, want to be with you, but I want to do it my way. It's not going to work because we have to trust God. If we're going to go into a situation like COVID, 9-11, whoever knows what a calamity is going to come our way in the coming days. If we try to enter into it, and we try to dictate and say, okay, God, now I'm ready to listen. What if he says something that is good, but we don't like it? Maybe right now, COVID is a way for God to get our attention. And for those whose faith is being shaken, he's saying, how could you worry? I'm just going to ask you the question, friend, what is your faith built upon? What is your relationship with God built upon? Because in Hebrews, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's in Hebrews 4, 16, that we get to go to his throne with confidence because the grace that we have and we need. And right now we friends need to go to his throne and because we need him. But do we trust him? do we believe that God is better? Do we believe that he is trustworthy? Do we believe that through the darkest of times that we can put all of our hope, all of our faith in him? So when you suffer and go through difficult times, what or whom do you put your trust in? When, when we're in pain, sometimes we reach out for anything that'll bring us relief. And you probably know this, you know, they talk about the COVID-19, not just COVID-19, but COVID-19 with 19 extra pounds that we've all been gaining by sitting because now we eat too much. We turn to substances to take away pain, even just for a short time. We go to the internet and we buy things we don't need. We return to retail therapy instead of falling on our knees and worshiping God. We call out to others. We call to others for answers. We look to uh, media. We look to friends. We're trying to find people to agree with us. And none of these people are in control of anything. God alone is the one who is in control. We turn to others instead of the one who's in control when everything falls apart. When we're in our darkest moments, where do you go? Is your faith and relationship with God so strong that you can stand with Job Put your trust in him no matter what. Is your faith so strong that when things like this happen, both now and in the future, when it seems like the entire world is falling apart, when everything is in calamity, do you sit in ashes? Do you worship and do you mourn? And do you come before God and say, God, I will not curse your name. God, I will lift your name up on high because everything is from you. So therefore, everything belongs to you. Friends, at this time, can you put your trust in him no matter what? Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering.